Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. How much of Russia's oil and gas sales could Canada displace if we were to, with determination and government will, engage in the development and export of oil and gas, both of which we have in abundance, and each of which the world needs to function? We're going to get at that question in a few minutes with Colin Craig, president of the Canadian think tank, secondstreet.org. They conducted a study, but let's begin with this reminder. To keep the lights on, the heat on, transportation moving goods, including everything that enters your home, producing and shipping the medications millions of Canadians rely on to protect their health, and that includes vaccines, we need oil and gas. Without oil and gas, the world economies would shrivel and millions of jobs would disappear and millions more lives would be negatively, even catastrophically affected. The Montreal Economic Institute study of two weeks ago, and they were on the air with us on this, states that despite the $5.4 trillion invested in energy transition since 2004, fossil fuels still represent 84% of the primary energy used worldwide. And according to the Montreal Economic Institute, if the federal government is successful in reducing oil and gas industry emissions in Canada by 40% by 2030, it will cost the Canadian economy dearly, between 44 and $79 billion annually. That's from the Montreal Economic Institute. That's not from Roy Green's notes. Meanwhile, Russia continues to rake in billions of dollars from their LNG sales. And listen to this. We've been told that um, selling liquid natural gas and setting up a, an export reality is just not good business. Well, Sinopec, and that's China's Petroleum and Chemical Corporation based in Beijing, just signed one of the world's biggest LNG deals in history with Qatar. Four million tons for 27 years of massively expanding LNG development and transport to China. It's the largest single sale in the history of Qatar LNG sales, and that is according to Qatari officials. So uh, let's carry on here and talk to our good friend, Professor Thierry Bro, Professor at Sciences Po in Paris, leading expert on markets, the geopolitics of oil and gas, and energy security, oil and gas expert at the French Energy Ministry in charge of energy security or security of supply. Thierry, thank you uh, for coming back on. There's a reality here. And the reality is that we need oil and natural gas. The transition to renewables will eventually take place. But at the moment, it's not going to be something that we can do immediately, as is being very clear. Meanwhile, Russia continues to, uh, to rake in billions of dollars. Now, the OECD predicts the world will be hit with the worst energy crisis since the 1970s, and that's next year, and that Europe will be the hardest hit of them all. In the 70s, the issue was oil. In 2023, it's mostly natural gas and oil. So how bad are things? I keep asking you this. How bad are things with the energy crisis in Europe as we head toward Christmas? Yes, good afternoon, Roy. I think you, you're understanding very well that Russia is waging two energy wars, uh, one military against Ukraine, and you're seeing, I mean, the consequences when you attack 
military attack uh, infrastructure. And one hybrid uh, versus the EU, and I've been saying this for quite a long time. And uh, we are still sleepwalking into this crisis. I mean, we need more energy and we need to be more resilient. So we need to find more energy going forward. And as you rightly stated, I mean, uh, Chinese have understood they need diversification of supply, they need long term, and they have this vision. They have this 27 years contract. Remember, when uh, the chancellor, the German chancellor went into uh, Canada, they talked about green hydrogen. It doesn't exist. So, I mean, we need to find a solution to the energy crisis today, not in 2050 or 2070. And unfortunately, I think the Chinese have understood, not the Europeans. So the Chinese have this 27-year uh, deal in place, and they're saying... They believe, clearly they're saying, they believe there is a business case to be made for the export of LNG, and they're willing to spend billions and billions of dollars to get it done. So Europe, is, is Europe still looking to Canada? Is France, is Germany still with hope looking to Canada, perhaps looking at a, a federal election and a new government in place, depending on how Canadians vote? Is there still hope in Europe that Canada will be a supplier of LNG? I think uh, we, we are still a bit naive in Europe. I mean, we, we had a distant discussion, negotiation with Norway and with the US, perhaps not as much as uh, with Canada as we should have done. But I think it going back to uh, individuals, it should be companies doing this on a company to company business. I mean, we are in a capitalist world here and uh, government should not intervene and should facilitate, should foster this. Unfortunately, uh, government in Europe are saying, well, you, you, you cannot have gas because in three years time we will be green which is wrong and again uh, as i as i'm saying here i mean we are going to be cold and we are going to be in the dark as this winter we may face blackouts not only this winter we were told in france it's going to be next winter also uh, and again canada could help norway us they are allies and they should help and to do this, we need to be very transparent. We need gas going forward for a decade or even more because at a time as I'm speaking, we are burning coal, which is a climate stupidity. Yeah, now Germany has something called an FSRU, the Floating Storage Regasification Unit. It's not something they plan on getting. They have it. And share with us, please, what it does and how quickly it can be, how quickly it's going to benefit the Germans. Well, I mean, it's one of the good things about this industry. It takes a long time to invest in supply, but for, for the infrastructure, we have the ability to plug and play with some elements. And this FSRU, this floating element, is something that is allowing the Germans now to access liquefied natural gas. And so, therefore, the Germans should be in a position to go and buy LNG. But again, the supply is restricted. And at the end of the day, we may have to buy it through China. So, we may make China uh, increasingly wealthy in this process because we are too shy of signing long-term contract with uh, big suppliers like the US, like Qatar, and perhaps like Canada, if Canada was putting its act right. It's really quite something, too, when you consider that China is buying this massive supply of LNG from Qatar and may end up, because the, the way the political cards are falling, may wind up selling some, much of that LNG to Europe at a tremendous benefit to the Chinese economy or the Chinese treasury. 
that that's absolutely true and this is why we should have done it the other way around we should have signed those contracts in europe and uh, signed those and provide those cargoes later in the 2030s in the 2040s to china or other countries that will go through their niche transition they need also to reduce their coal intake and this will be done after 2030. terry how how frustrating is it for for europe to look at canada and know that we have this immense supply of natural gas and oil, and you're mostly interested in the LNG. We have this immense supply, but we're refusing to build the infrastructure because to, to, to ship it because we're, we're, our government is saying there's not a good business case to be made for this. And a, a host of other uh, consideration, considerations are being raised. How frustrating is it for Europe to look at Canada and the supply and not be able to get at it? I think it's insane from both sides. It's insane from Canada. It's insane from our side also not to go to, uh, uh, to Canada and say, well, we are ready. Please uh, uh, provide us a long-term contract for 20 years and we will assign a contract for 20 years to uh, bring LNG and, the, and so therefore we will foster the investment of this. I think this is the insanity of this crisis on both sides. Uh, perhaps an interesting element. I was uh, this week at a conference uh, with uh, a very top-level academics uh, looking at history of energy. And we found out that in the 20th century crisis, Europe at the end of the day was stronger after a crisis. This crisis, Europe may be weaker for quite a long time after this energy crisis. Okay, one more question for you. The European Union is proposing a gas price cap. You know, just that headline to me, to me says, it's not going to work. Am I being too cynical? No, it's not going to work. I mean, uh, the market uh, has allowed Europe to stay uh, safe, to have the security of supply. Yes, we are paying extremely expensive prices for this, but cargoes have been rerouted away from Asia into Europe. If you put a cap, those cargoes will go back to Asia and we will be in the, in the dark. So I think policymakers are doing some very stupid things today. And again, this is why putting a cap is also going to make the Canadian investment less uh, uh, fostering. I mean, there will be more uh, ill at ease versus investing for Europe because they, there is this risk of a cap. I just want to share with our listeners, it's two sentences that I sent, two sentences of my email to you earlier in the week. And I wrote, now I'm only wandering the fringes of the European energy crisis. I don't have a depth of knowledge, but it doesn't require a PhD thesis to submit. The clowns appear to be training the tigers in the circus, and that may not turn out so well for the clowns. So. That's the best <laughs> conclusion, right? If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.